Uh, welcome to Verse Chorus Verse, episode two of Woodstock. Okay, look, Woodstock '69. You can't do that one episode, and I don't know what kind of fucking moron would ever think that you could. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I pretty much said everything I yeah, had done. to say. Okay. Uh, welcome to the seven minute <laughs> second part episode of First Course. Where were we? Sears. <laughs> Sears. I don't know. I was... Sears. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about the Rolling Stones because of me. Mm-hmm. I also do think that uh, Janice and Jimmy dying the next year played a huge part in what this festival meant. Sure. Yeah. There was a little bit of a, I don't want to say a come to Jesus moment. That was the, the realization that this whole free love, let's do all the drugs and love everybody was, oh, wait, there's this big, huge, fucking, massive, a dark limit. side to this shit. Mm-hmm. I do think that those deaths had a really big part in A, how we viewed this festival, and B, how important this festival ended up being. Yeah, it's like a, I want to minimize it by saying it, but it's like a very dark punctuation to that era. Yeah. Yeah. Paraphrasing Sarah Davidson, the person that I have based my thoughts around for Woodstock, it seems like the values of humanity of Woodstock was much less sustainable than the music. Yeah. I don't know if that's cool or not cool, or if it was sustainable anyway, or if it was the way that we should live. The music is art art is idyllic that's that's like the purpose of art but humanity encompasses so much more and there's like some down and dirty nitty-gritty stuff of living with people that you have to integrate along with that idealism so both have to exist in balance like going back to the whole scales analogy i was making both have to exist in balance for things to be working well and if you put too much emphasis on one or the other things go out of whack this is a good example of that and, and a good reminder of that to us looking back. Like you asked if people today are, ca- are different from them. Are they capable of what happened then? I think so, but it, it has to be with wisdom. There's some, some deep thinking that has to be done to, to get back to that kind of point. One of the most incredible things to listen to with this entire festival is the announcements. What happened between the music to me is almost as incredible especially when we're talking about the cultural significance of this whole festival right the announcements to me are not just like what drugs to take or not to take because that was certainly there's no rules right so all of a sudden the the guy on the pa can tell you like this acid's bad this acid's good this one's the one you want to avoid but also like they took announcements from people at the pa desk People would write things they wanted to announce. Listen to the the announcements. They're like all the same kind of like. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be like, "Yeah, I got the film for the camera. Let's go take some pictures of birds." <laughs> and that was like, "How old are you? You kept pot in your fucking film." Same thing? age as all the fucking people me? at this festival. Rachel has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to do some awards and categories. We're going to be right back. Something coming on. Don't know what it is, but it's getting stronger. <laughs> Feel it in my bones. Hopefully it keeps trying, though, because I can't leave a beer anywhere without him sticking his finger in it. Out like, my head. Fast. Your kid's going to grow to me. <laughs> 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 That's it. 
Hey, everybody. Hey, David. I'm going to play a little game. Mm. Rachel, I hope you have more shots. Mm-hmm. Let's play what? which act that was supposed to be there should have <gasps> been there. Mm. Oh, shit. There well. were 25 bands that were requested ah. for Woodstock yeah. and either turned it down or had conflicts. So... <laughs> Which one would you want to have seen the most? Uh, I am going to give you the options here. If you have one that's off the table, give it. But these are the options. Beatles. Do you know why the Beatles didn't end up playing? Because they would only play if the Plastic Ono Band. Woodstock said no to the Beatles. Because the Beatles Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. that's fucking badass. It was also the right decision. Sure was. Jeff Beck. Mm Mm-hmm. Jeff Beck mm-hmm. purposefully dismantled his band right before Woodstock because he did not want them playing there and being remembered. No. Jeff Beck knew. What do you mean, no? False. Not I false. have a Rod. That's absolutely true. Stewart yeah. interview saying that. That's true. According to Rod Stewart, Jeff Beck caught wind that his wife was having an affair with the gardener. This is not true. I swear. And hot, which wasn't true. Got on a plane, flew back to England right before the show. Seriously, I kid you not. I have the quote. I am with evil on this one. Jethro Toll, Led Zeppelin, whose manager said no. This is what he sent to them. No, they are Zepp, (laughs) not just another band on the bill. Mm -hmm. It kind of worked out for them. (laughs) Jody Mitchell. Do you know um, why Joni Mitchell okay, didn't but, show up? Yeah. Let's see. Because her manager said, hey, you have this spot on the Dick Cavett show after Woodstock, and <laughs> I don't want you to get stuck That's in right. traffic because traffic. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. The Birds. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah. The Doors. Who, it's a good uh, thing I think the Doors didn't show up. Because? I don't know. It's a peace love festival. I think Doors at that time had some fairly negative press surrounding. I mean, you're hitting on some things that I'm going to hit on. I'm pausing. Uh, (laughs) Bob Dylan, (laughs) who lived in Woodstock, by the way, he was doing other things. He had stuff to do. He was busy that day. (laughs) This Bob Dylan. It's Woodstock. What else could Bob Dylan be doing that's more Bob Dylan than Woodstock? (laughs) The reason that they were going to build a recording studio there that led to the music festival. I get the whole Jeff Beck thing. That's like, it's like the wedding. I get that you're bringing the date, but I don't want the date to be in the pictures that's going to be in my whole life's thing. Bob Dylan not going makes no sense to me. Um, the Guess Who, Iron Butterfly. Can I tell the story? Great story. They land at the airport and their manager's like, sends a telegram to the Woodstock office, like, hey, we're here. You're going to send a limousine to pick up the band. You're going to drive us to the festival. We're going to play the festival. And as soon as we're done playing, you're going to load us back into a transport and take us back to the airport where we're going to fly off and do our own thing. Now, this is in the middle of the Woodstock pandemonium where nothing's getting in and out except for helicopter their director of operations crafted a telegraph 
with the telegraph operator. I love this like, so much. Like, th- there's a law that you cannot cuss. <laughs> you can't cuss in a telegraph. Illegal. So they crafted a telegraph where the first letter of each sentence spelled out F U C K space Y O U. So, like, fuck you. We're not sending anything to come get you. It says, for reasons I can't go into, until you are here, there we go. clarifying you. your situation, knowing you have problems, you will have to find other transportation unless you plan not to come. So it was actually written pretty well outside that- of the fact that it said fuck you on it. Thank you, Rachel, for stats. The Moody Blues. Yeah. The Stones didn't show. They had a very important gig in Altamont <laughs> soon. Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, that would have been a good one. That and one. That would have been a good one. Yeah. And Frank Zappa. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rachel. David. Who should have been there? I'm going to go with Simon there? and Garfunkel. I just feel like peace and love and Simon and Garfunkel would have been really great. I actually saw Garfunkel play at the Boise River Festival when there was still a Boise River Festival. The, the River other Festival. One. Yeah. <laughs> that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, um, I'm really fucking old. I miss those days. Evil. Who should have been there or who would what have What act should have been there, there that What's wasn't there? Is... I mean, Bob yeah, should have shown I... up if we're going that direction. He could. He was down the street. He... Bob should have walked <laughs> over. Like... Let's call this the What the Fuck Bob Dylan Award. <laughs> Let's call it that. <laughs> it fucking was like Bob Dylan should have been there. Who had a birthday. Everyone organized a <laughs> birthday party for him and he didn't show up. <laughs> He was off. Like, Meh. I'm busy. Oh, oh, that's a uh, blowing wind. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost there. So close. Bob Dylan reportedly didn't show up because he was annoyed with the hippies that were gathering around his home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that can't God. be true. So Are you kidding me? The king of the hippies was like, no <laughs> more fucking hippies because that's, that's so amazing. I love this so much. <laughs> Zappa. I want Zappa there. I think that would have been awesome. That would have added an element that like, that would have made it. Imagine your acid trip listening to Zappa. I absolutely agree. And yeah. that is why I pick The Doors. The same reason that Sven said that The Doors shouldn't be there. I feel like if The Doors were there, this shit would have got fucking dark. That's when their highs would have gotten ugly. They would have started beating the shit out of each other. Jim Morris. <laughs> David, that's not what this festival was about. Sorry. Why do you have to make it go that direction? All right. Uh, it's God. category time. <laughs> what has history gotten right about this festival, Rachel? Everything. History got everything right. That's never, ever the case. The lineup. The lineup was great. Mm-hmm. History got the best musicians of the time there. I mean, we look at the list of people that didn't show up, and you know, it's kind of sad, some of them, but... God damn, if they weren't the best people and how we talked about, you know, didn't even know that some of them were as amazing Shit. as they were at the time. Yeah, like Agreed. some of them. Um, <laughs> I feel like for as little, uh, you know, TV and media were around at the time, it it seems like everything that was reported was very accurate from talking to my dad and doing research. And again, the lecture that I watched from a different gentleman, everybody's consensus on it was peace, love. Everybody got along great. It was really rainy and hot and muddy and disgusting and people smelled yeah. bad and there weren't enough toilets. Like it seemed like literal shit show. everybody was on the same page about everything that happened. 
the lineup, I guess I was just going to jump in on that. John Sebastian hanging mm-hmm. around backstage. He wasn't even supposed to be backstage, I think. He was just like there as a spectator, but because he knew everybody, one of the stagehands or something saw him and was like, hey, 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 come here. You know, and like, next thing you know, they're shoving him on stage. He didn't have a guitar. He didn't even bring an instrument. He went up like right after Country Joe McDonald. And Country Joe McDonald wasn't even supposed to play. He was supposed to play with his band on day three. This is how desperate they were because people weren't fucking there when they needed people to be on stage. That shouldn't be undersold. That was a big deal. So I didn't know that until I researched for this. But Country Joe and the Fish was one of the biggest. Oh, fuck. He did like the the wait in a die rag. People came to see him. That band and him had a massive following out of the people that were actual fans that came to see this country joe and the fish was one of the biggest ones they still played day three the whole band but country joe by himself they shove him up on stage on day two and he's like what 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 do i play to me that was one of my favorite songs yeah the whole festival the waiting to die right like the whole it's very feel like i'm fixing to die i don't know what i it's a woodstock epitome I feel like that's how the whole festival went. Get on the stage and play. We can't find so-and-so, we'll find somebody else, and we'll shove them up there on stage. And, like, stuff, just the spontaneity of it. That's what I enjoy so much. You know me. I do. I don't know. Evil. What did they get right about Woodstock? I think this, the cultural impact of what went on, is it right? I don't know. I think that's the significance of the event, the cultural impact. If you just track the timeline of, of the actual festival, they were like conservatively expecting 50,000 people, maybe maxing out at 200,000. It gets announced on the radio yeah. and New York City just like empties. Like everyone's on, its, on their way there. That I think is what history has captured about like the cultural in a time when hearing about something and acting yes it's not oh i've been tweeted (laughs) come check this out right no it's like validation like these people swarmed this place you know disregard the logistics and the actual what happened in the actual event itself the the cultural impact i think is what history has gotten right about it i think history's got a lot of stuff wrong rose-colored glasses and everything there had been music festivals before and after, but nothing with that peace, love, togetherness, let's all come together. That's what captured that huge audience of people to want to go be part of this event. Yeah, the same thing we all. Young society able to work together to make this a good festival over a dangerous one. That's it. Back around to Sven then, so I know. What did history get wrong about Woodstock. That's a hard one. Like at the time, I think history got a lot of shit wrong. But like now, there's both sides of the coin. At the time though, I I think every headline was all negative about National Guard getting called in and the disaster. There's no water, no food. Kids were getting dehydrated. A lot of the media outlets focused on the negative headlines. The peace, love, everything was in the marketing that came out from the Woodstock team. Evil. What did history get wrong? How weird it was. Seriously. Like, what a weird event. Logistically, it was a nightmare. They didn't want to make it a free event. They had to because the walls got breached and there's like, eh, fuck it. Let's make it free. You know, I mentioned earlier, there was one porta potty to every 800 people. So there was like a sewage nightmare Mm. going on. In spite of all this, it's that positive attitude still persisted. Even the musical acts, 
Do you know who went on before Jimi Hendrix closed the show? Shauna. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why Shauna was on the bill at all? Jimi Hendrix wanted them on there. No shit. <laughs> he saw them in some club at some point in New York City. He was like, these guys are far out, man. And like got the promoters to go see him and invite them to be on the show. And if you watch their performance, like the listeners don't know who Sha Na Na is. They're, they're like this our, super old school 50s. Yeah. They're like a bunch of ex Columbia students who were yes. acapella singers and did like 50s yeah. doo wop rock and roll covers. Yeah. That was at Woodstock. Yeah. And if you watch the, they did like the Book of Love, Teen Angel, yeah. Duke of Earl. I mean, they doo-wop. did like 50s yeah. doo wop covers. And the footage is amazing. These hippies who are just like high on acid or they, I mean, this is Monday morning. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Yes. It keeps panning to this hippie girl who has like the worst hippie resting bitch face I've ever seen. (laughs) And then back to them and then back to this girl. And it's just like, what in the fuck is going on? And then Jimi Hendrix comes on and closes the show. Like what? I think one of the things that made this such a legendary show for the people who went there is the shared adversity that they went through. Like the weather was terrible. Yeah. There was these long pauses between, you know, acts performing, the porta potty issue, the food issue. It's like one of the, you know, when people say you had to be there, this was for sure one of those things. Mm -hmm. And you can't historically capture that accurately at all. The absolute bizarre nature of the whole event there's no way that it could be historically accurate i think that's what's missed you actually had to be there to really get what was going on rachel i already went no nice try (laughs) i'm not that drunk (laughs) damn shot what did history get wrong um i think i'm gonna kind of snowball a little bit off of what jimmy said here because When talking to my dad, I asked him, what did they get wrong? What's wrong? And he said, one of the things that I think we hear less and less about probably as time goes on is how fucking miserable people were. He was 14 at the time. So it's like, you know, his memory of what is miserable and what isn't like you put up with a lot more as a kid than you do as an adult. And he said it was hot as shit. It was muddy. It was raining. Yeah. That just the stink like that was around all the time because we talk about people were like swimming in like the ponds on the property to try and like clean off yeah you know we talked about they're in their own shit not enough porta potties for everyone just mud heat rain and shit everywhere and i think that there are so many good parts that came out of it and just the whole vibe of the festival that people kind of glaze over yeah. how disgusting it was. Okay. I like how like every account and all of us talk about the mud, but mm-hmm. in reality, it's a dairy farm. Yeah, it's shit. <laughs> when it got wet, <laughs> it's not mud. Ugh. It's cow shit. And people were hanging like, out in that too. When they talk about the stench, I don't know. I lived in Emmett, Idaho, a town of 3,000 <laughs> that was surrounded by dairy farms from Sweet to Montour, Idaho. If you know what a giant pile of cow shit smells like, <laughs> that's what I associate with yeah. the smell of Woodstock by the accounts of people. Like It had to smell like a giant Fantastic. pile of cow dung. It's not necessarily for me what I think people got wrong, but what I don't think any attention has been paid to, which is ridiculous, 
is the sound producers. Shit weather. Damn. Yeah. Two eight tracks. The sound on the recordings for these are so ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Except for the Grateful Dead, which had the super storm yeah. going on, shorting all their equipment. For the sound to be as good as it is, two eight tracks with one soundboard, it doesn't make any sense. To me, that's what people don't concentrate on enough is how amazing sound production. Yeah, yeah. I ran out of time researching, but I, I started going down the rabbit hole of the sound system that was used. There was a custom built sound system mm-hmm. for the venue. And I'm really glad you brought that up because the recordings don't make any sense at how good they are for the conditions and what was going on there. Yes. Yeah. Hanley Sound. That was the crew that was hired to do Woodstock. And when they came Just in, two dudes. Basically, yeah. I mean, and they're they're like family or whatever. Yeah. Friends, two dudes stuff. and a bunch of JBLs. But yeah. They, that's basically what it was. I guess their mentality, the way they went into it, despite the magnitude of the festival, was that why is it in the recording studio you mix everything for the record? You've got all the different tracks and everything. They wanted to do that live because at the time, live concerts were mixed much more like ambiently, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't multi track mixing. And I think that modernized a lot of festival producing from then on. Hanley Agreed. Sound is responsible for, uh, I think, a lot of precedent set for the way sound was done moving forward. But yeah, that's what they tried to do produce it for the audience as if it was being produced. For a record. They did way too good of a job for what they had. Can I pick a fight? Please do. There was one act out of the entire festival that actually went into a studio to do overdubs for their musical performance. Was it for the live Crosby Stills and Nash? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Meh. Right. Uh, Rachel, how would you rate Woodstock 1969? 1969. Okay. uh, I feel like it is properly rated currently. Again, since it was so... All the reporting on it seems to be so accurate. Everything was recorded for the most part. It was such a defining moment in rock and roll and in history. And I think that it's appreciated exactly the way that it should be. Evil. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I think it has gone through a journey ending at most likely properly rated currently. To Sven's point, like right afterwards, it had a lot of negative press and was maybe underrated or improperly rated at the time. When I was younger, I think it was far overrated Hmm. because it was like those rose-colored glasses. It was all peace and love and everything was all hunky-dory there. The full picture kind of coming into view today, I think we get a more properly rated version of of what it was. Mm -hmm. Cultural impact, which is huge, Mixed with the actual nitty-gritty humanity of what went on there. Sven, have you guys heard of Fire Festival? (laughs) (laughs) Go on. So I think Woodstock would have turned out about like Fire Festival, except it wasn't on an island and (laughs) it was accessible. From a planning perspective, it was a fucking catastrophe. It is way overrated as far as the success. But the flip side is the cultural significance is properly rated. Oh, I see what you're saying. Horrible festival. 
because of the disaster, because of the shit show, somewhere close to half a million people showed up and proved you could get that many people together without a shit ton of people dying. I would agree with what I think pretty much everybody has said. It really does work as the peak of a human, not experiment, but thought process, I guess. A hippie peak. Put all that aside. The music that was put together in this festival is astounding. And that's it. Dude, best drum solo. Mm-mm, you're wrong. In my opinion, Mm-mm. that I can think of, recorded live at a festival. Santana. Okay. Oh, that's for a different episode. Okay. Rachel, what? I, I like this question. What amount would you pay to go to this show? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I would sell my child to go to this Holy show. Shit. I don't understand. Really? Absolutely. Yes. I would pay so much money to go to this show. Having the knowledge now and going to that show and knowing that history was being made in such a way, I would pay so much money. I I really would. And I know it was miserable for three days. I have to think that it had to have been worth it to be there. It doesn't matter to you if it's the same conditions today, if you could just stay home and watch it on high def. None of that shit matters to you. No. I watched a lot of their performance on a very nice TV on my couch and got goosebumps watching it from my couch. I can't imagine what it would be like in person. Evil. Well, factoring in the whole time travel aspect of it, that would be an expensive ticket. But if I was just there and it was a free show, like... I'm not... You are basically given time travel. Okay. Go back to the show. What would you pay to get a ticket? (laughs) I'm going to go back to when we did the breakdown for 1969. I talked about how this music is not my music. This is the music that influenced my music. It's not as important to me because of that. I don't feel like I needed to be a part of this. It exists in a time before me. Because of that, it doesn't have the same monetary value to me. Okay. I would go to it for it was free. I don't know how much I'm going to pay for the thing. <laughs> um, this is probably unpopular for most people listening, but it's like, I like that it exists. I don't feel like I needed to be a part of it. It's a free concert. I'd go for free. Would spend no money. Yes. But you would go. Yeah. Spend. How much would you pay to go to Woodstock? Zero dollars. Somewhere yeah, between. It's a free, it's a free friggin' festival. It's not free. It was declared free. <laughs> if I would have been alive in 1969 and tickets were on sale, maybe I would have paid seven bucks for a ticket. What is the matter with you boys? No, it's like no. If you if you pay some exorbitant amount of money to go be a part of Woodstock, you're missing the point. It's like you're a tourist. Exactly. You're paying. You would pay no money to see these bands. Exactly. I would pay zero dollars to go see those bands. I, broken. <laughs> both broken. What I don't get, I fucking hate crowds, which is why I don't think that I would pay anything to go to Woodstock. What you're saying, if I were to just be at a place where I could see Jimi Hendrix and Jefferson Airplane and Blood, Sweat, and Tears and this and that, I'd spend thousands of dollars. But it, that, I'm that, saying that, I would have been one of those people stuck on the freeway that perhaps never even got to get there. I would not have spent a penny, but I would have traveled there. When you start putting a, like, what is the highest price you would pay to go 
be a part of this cultural event, this watershed moment in history. It's like, how much would you pay to go shoot a rhinoceros in Africa? How much? It's, it's like the stupid Burning Man people who pay thousands of dollars to go have some artificial enlightened moment in the desert because they can't because they're rich. It takes the meaning out of the actual event. That's yes. and I think that is the right price for it. Yes. because of that. Look, fine. <laughs> well, he's probably right. Um, what's the best act? Wait, what's the one that we all like based? drinks on before that was favorite act oh well i didn't know at the time that it was there was a difference so i may have oh there's a difference oh there's a difference no, there's a difference yeah so your favorite isn't Jimi hendrix and everybody's gonna always remember <laughs> that. sven what's the best act fucking richie havens oh okay yeah dude performed for like almost three hours by himself, Damn, by himself, opened up a festival with a uh, half a million people by himself. Okay, yeah, there's Jimmy, 15-year-old self. Fuck yeah, Jimi Hendrix was the shit. Santana. Yeah. Like, Santana was unknown. They didn't, even, they didn't even have a fucking album at that point. But Michael Shreve, the Santana drummer, took a solo that to me was one of the most mind-blowing <laughs> drum solos ever. Even with all that, I'm going to go with Richie Havens. Evil. Best. The best act or best performance, like... I would say the, who had the best set. You probably should have asked me this before the episode. God damn it. Uh, now I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> best as in um, if somebody was to come up to you and say, look, Woodstock, I'm going to check out one performance. Which one's the best? One thing sticks out to me and that's Joe Cocker. Mm. When I think of Woodstock, I think of t two things. I think of Hendrix playing the national anthem, but that alone, mm -hmm. I don't feel like his set was his best performance ever. But I think this might have been Joe Cocker's best performance ever. And yet... In terms of like performances, like uh, more so than other stuff that, that we've broken down, there's a visual aspect to this. And I can see him in my head playing like air guitar. His soul is pouring out. That is the moment of the festival for me. Hendrix's performance was about Hendrix. Yes. And how good he is at playing guitar. And Rachel. I'm excited to go next. I'm going to fight evil on this one. Yes. I love Joe Cocker and I love that performance. The whole culture at the time was hating the war. And I feel like the peace love with Jimi Hendrix playing the national anthem, which is like cultural reset. Yeah. Like, he was just bringing in this thing that's representing everything that these people are fighting against. In that way, I think that is the most poignant mm -hmm. point of Woodstock. So your answer is Jimmy. My answer is Jimmy. A mm -hmm. veteran playing the national anthem for a bunch of hippies. What's your answer? I haven't heard every band play because there's just so many hours. Mm -hmm. To me, Jimmy was too easy of an answer. There's like nine of them. I'm not a fan of theirs. I can't deny that their set was amazing. But they were also, there was a lot of bullshit that happened with their set in The Who that I think equates to not being great. My answer is Jefferson Airplane. Mm -hmm. The epitome of Woodstock 
they killed it. It was rock. It was heavy, but it was also free love hippie shit. Yeah. I think that the best act at 69 was Jefferson Airplane. So now we got to get to the favorite acts. What happens if we confused our favorite and you drink twice? Yeah. God damn it. So we're going to start with Sven. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your favorite act of 1969? Okay. Hmm. So, yeah. Should I just switch the two? Cause you do whatever you want to do. Uh, are we going to favorite or best? Favorite. I'm sorry, Richie. I was supposed to say Richie Havens for my favorite. Like, oh, like, okay. I was supposed to be talking about Richie Havens right now, but before I thought that's what we were doing. So who's and best, we were actually then? talking about best. I Crosby, Young. I I don't hate that. Mostly because of Neil Young, who hated Woodstock, uh, by the way. Yep. Their manager almost didn't let him play, I think. Anyway, they didn't want to play. And I think during soundcheck, they used that album they just released as a soundcheck album. And when they had Neil Young on the phone and Neil Young was trying to back out of it, they took the phone and stuck it out of the trailer and were like, do you hear that? That's soundcheck. That was his concern. I haven't played with the pan. Nobody knows us. In hindsight... Closing day three, I think it was an awesome way. To me, they were the headliner. That was the end of the festival. Mm. Like everything that happened the next morning, Paul, Shanana, Jimi Hendrix, that was the next morning. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, to me, closed. They were the headliner. And I don't know. I No, I, they, I love yeah. the ending as a Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I know whatever feelings there are with them, but they're set was pretty incredible yeah evil who's your favorite I, act at woodstock can i change can you change what I, I would like to change who i thought should be there i think captain mm. beefheart should have played there just to blow people's minds oh okay that, well, that would have been fun well, that's pretty frank zappa yeah i know that okay. was just for fun actually um who was who was my favorite i did not expect this but through researching it Can't he- santana <gasps> santana son of a bitch that was my second guess. <laughs> Motherfucker. I was like, they're, it's either Grateful Dead or Santana. I'm so happy. Soul Sacrifice. Holy fuck. That performance yeah. is, yeah. Yes. that sealed it for me. Yeah. And then I read about them a little bit and I'm, I'm like, nobody knew who they were. They hadn't put out an album yet. It was in the can. It was recorded in the can, but it wasn't released. And they go out there and they do that. Yeah. Carlos Santana was high on acid or mescaline or something. And he's hanging on to his guitar like he's trying to hang on to reality. Yeah. That's right. He thought, yeah, he, he thought, thought it was a snake. was a snake. <laughs> I'm like, and, and they pull out that performance. And then Sven already talked about the drums. Holy mother of yeah. God. Yeah. Yes. Michael Shreve, man. Oh, that drum solo. Uh, and, and now I have to do a deep dive on Santana even more so than we did for the 69 episode. Because of that performance. That was my favorite thing about this entire episode was finding that performance. There it is. Surprise. Son of a bitch. Also, Joe Cocker was the best. 
so mad right now. <laughs> You're mad. I had the right answer, and I said the wrong answer. Where's your polio? David Liston. Also, damn, Santana. That Gibson SG special became like it the really guitar did. everybody it freaking totally wanted did. because. Which is like, dumb because. No, I shouldn't say that. It's not dumb. It is kind of dumb. I will gladly say I'm one of the people that I don't want one of those I guitars, love Santana, but, but I don't. Fuck. He does the same fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rachel. David. Who is your favorite act? Taylor Swift. Woo! <laughs> oh, I thought you said 89. Um, Who's your favorite? My favorite. You. Not best. Uh, my favorite, it's Sven. Everybody's favorite is Sven. Yeah. Um, Country Joe McDonald. Not to be confused with Country Joe and the Fish. Prepping for Give Santana. Give me an F. Give me a U. That song is heartbreakingly sad. And I remember when I was little, my dad used to sing Are you it. talking about the ragtime? I feel like I'm fixing to die. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking brutal. Such heartbreaking words. In such a campy song, I got a little teary watching it when I was watching the live version the first, second, and fourth time. Like, it was it, it was so good. And to see people in the audience just singing along to it and realizing that they're in this wonderful place and peace and love and music. Again, we're at the height of the Vietnam War at the time, and there are all these people dying. And he's making this satirical song that is entirely true that performance to me was was the best good job what was your favorite okay so my favorite i'm gonna give you guys a chance to change up your bid if you will because you all know that one of you picked the artist that is my favorite we don't know that we all guess you do we it's uh rachel chose janice evil chose sly sven chose ccr one of you is right. Do any of you want to change your vote? Uh, Evil's no. got rhinoceros? I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'll keep mine. I, it's Okay, I'm going to take a shot. And I don't really get how any of you that listened to <laughs> a lot of the Woodstock shit didn't agree that this was the best set. Janis Joplin set. Yes! God, you guys. I like, fucking knew it. How do you not just... I was right. I feel so good about that. Janice moved mountains on that set, like she always did. She was new. I think we've done what we can with Woodstock. A uh, shit show at the least. <laughs> did we have enough? We only recorded for four hours. Yes! Oh, you're right. Wait. Oh. Should we go? go a little bit longer? Do you have any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go on about Max Yager, Yasger? And like <laughs> no, how I didn't know. I the don't. family had I like don't. a family dinner before nah. they were even approached nah, by the team. Okay. That's it for Woodstock 1969. We did as best we could. I think we did a pretty good job. <sighs> Enough for people to listen to. Let's not make we were horrible sounds <laughs> when I'm saying that, Rachel. It, <laughs> it was amazing. Ooh. Let's Ooh. not make Ooh. Ooh. sounds. We may be just <laughs> shy of experts. Join us next week. Rachel and I, uh, I know Evil's a huge fan. Stay tuned next week. Here's where you're wrong. The Killers. Uh. Pressure Machine. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath. Versecourseverse.com at Versecourseverse pod. Thank you, everybody. Please 
rate and review if you like us at all mm-hmm. you would do that if you loved us you would or even thought maybe yeah. you know hey maybe some maybe there could be something in the Exa- future thank you exactly <laughs> just even <laughs> give us a meh well don't meh us because three stars I feel like. <laughs> evil rachel svend <laughs> this was amazing <laughs> i missed you all <laughs> I can't wait for us to text about how bad this was. You guys text each other? (laughs) (laughs) Good night and good luck. Oh, no. Oh.